So uh, I was told to speak today about a topic that um, obviously I'm not uh, to speak about because the topic is how do I become a Talmud Chacham? I don't know. I'll let you know when I become one. I'll tell you a funny story. Many, many years ago, many years ago, I um, was asked to do the shear in Bergenfield, New Jersey, which I ended up giving for about 10 years. Rabbi Neuberger Shul, Rabbi Neuberger actually called our house and it came up, uh, I was going to remember this, it, you know, we saw the caller ID and my wife said, ooh, Rabbi Neuberger's calling, Rabbi Neuberger's calling. So I answered the phone, I go, hi, Shalom Aleichem, it's Yaakov Neuberger, can I speak to your wife, please? I'm like, oh, that's weird, okay. Put my wife on the phone and she, he asked permission of my wife to ask me if I would be interested in giving a shear, which Baruch Hashem lasted for 10 years, a halacha shear that I gave uh, Tuesday night. And I didn't know what to answer. And uh, my first answer was, I am not Roy to give a shear because I'm not a Talmud Chacham. And he said, that's exactly the answer I wanted a person to say. If you said you're a Talmud Chacham, and I, of course I can give the shear, you're not the right guy for the shear. We're focusing the shear on people who don't go to shear more of the time, who don't learn Torah all the time. You're my guy. So I said, okay, can you give me, uh, I want to speak to my Rebbe of Aaron Salvation. So I went to Rav Haran, and uh, Rav Haran says, what's the question? You know, what do you ask? What's the question? He said, you're, you're a Talmud Chacham, you should give a thing. So I said, Rebbe, I am not a Talmud Chacham. And then I didn't understand what he was talking about. He looked at me and he goes, but do you think I'm stupid? I'm like, what? He goes, you're a Talmud of a Chacham. I'm the Chacham, you're the Talmud. <laughs> so I said, uh, okay. And uh, that actually worked, and I decided to give the... Uh, I did that. So the same thing over here. I'll pretend that I'm a Talmud Chacham, and I'll give you the tips that, uh, that I think will work. Uh, first of all, you showed up. <laughs> That's the first thing. You got to show up, right? There are, you know, I don't want to count, but there are many people who didn't show up. So showing up and saying that this is something that's chashuv to me, that this is important to me, that this is something that I actually want to attain, that's step number one, right? Uh, the many times that I attended meetings of uh, Gamblers Anonymous and Alcohol Anonymous and all the other anonymous things that I've gone to, so um, as a spectator, right? All those things, right? So you'll, you'll recognize, I have a friend. Um, all those different things. So what are the, but, but the first things that you hear, right? The first thing you have to do is admit that I have a problem. Right? My name is Daniel Hartstein, and I'm an al- alcoholic. Like, no, 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 this is gambles. And I'm, oh, sorry, yeah, whatever it is. Right? You have to admit that. So you have to start off by saying that there's a one here. Right? right? I-, I know I'm not a Talmud Chacham. I know I'm not someone who's accomplished in Torah. I want to become that. That's number one. Number one. The other thing that you have to realize is you are very fortunate because you are an extremely small percentage of Talmudim that have such an opportunity to become a Talmud Chacham. What do I mean? Well, look at the percentage of people that are friends of yours that were in the high schools you were in who didn't get to go to Israel for the year. Look at the percentage of people that live in the same community you live in that never went to Yeshiva High School and don't even know what it is that you're in Israel. Look at the percent of Jews in the world. You're a minute of minute. Look at how fortunate you are and how lucky you are. And as I pointed out before, you're also the minute of the minute of the Shana Aleph guys. Baruch Hashem, she's bad. We did well. Right? Of the Shana Aleph guys that are here. So that's start number one. So we're going to discuss three different W's. I don't know why. It's always who, what, when, why. I don't know. It's always the W's. The three W's. You need to want it. You need to work on it. And you need to worship. I'll explain, I'll explain, I'll explain. Let's start with the one. Let's start with the one. So, 
just a few days ago, we lay in Parsha's Mishpatim. For a business guy, it's like my favorite Parsha. All the Mishpatim. Love it. But the beginning of the Parsha, you would think, right? When we begin the Parsha, when we start off all the laws of business, the interpersonal laws, here we go. We hear something very, very interesting. Right? So what happens? You have the slave. I don't like to use the word slave because it's not really a slave like traditional slaves that we think of. He was a bondsman. He wasn't really a slave because he was treated darn well. The Jewish idea of slaves is treated well. Right? If you had only one, uh, one pillow, so the master had to give the pillow to him. He had to eat first. He was treated pretty well. So now what happens? He's stolen. Can't pay. So, right, again, there are different shitas. Exactly what happened here, but I'm going to go with that shita. He couldn't pay. And now what happens, this guy's a robber. He's getting rehabilitated, like jail is supposed to do, but never does. Okay? So now he's, and he's rehabilitated. He's doing well for himself. Right? He's working, you know, thank God. He's learning dafiyomi, maybe, I don't know. But he's doing well. And what does he say? Hafti sadoni. This is going pretty well. I, I could get used to this. Could be the guy was out on the streets before. You know, he was in a, he was in a, a TikTok video, whatever. Some Instagram guy, you know, found him and, and made him into, you know. But he made it. So it says, oh, you want to stay? I'll let you. You know the story. We say, okay, you want to? Here you go. I'm going to take your ear. Let's put it next to the delet, the mezuzah. You get a little ear piercing, not allowed here in Leva Torah, but that, that, you get a little ear piercing. So Rashi says, what's going on over here? This is a very strange action that's going on. So Rashi comments, based on the Gemara and Kedushan, Why? Why the ear? Why not the nose? It's become more popular. You know, the nose piercing, I don't know, maybe on the lip. I, what, what the, why? So famously, he quotes the Gemara. You just heard a few minutes ago, if you will, especially if you learn out that this is a continuation, the Siva Shalom, this is a continuation of Harsina. This is the Harsina experience, the Haraya, the end of Parsha Mishpachim says Nasa Venishma. It's a continuation. Hashem is, is, is telling us the business laws are just as important as the laws of Adam Makam. You just heard Lo Tignov. What was wrong with you? How did you not get it? Your forefathers heard this. And you stole? Come on. How can you do this? And didn't you hear the Pasuk? Parshish Bahar tells us there's only one form of Avadim. You were Avadim before of Mitzrayim. And now who's Avadim are you? We just said it in Alel. I am the ultimate servant of Hashem. No other servant. Did you not get it? Very good. Very, very nice Rashi. However, comes along Rav Schwab, beautiful parish, and says the following. Rav Schwab says, Rav Schwab was the head of the Yeki community in, in Washington Heights. It's a gorgeous safer on the parsha, and he says like this: "Kasha, I got a question. Why now? It's a great question. 
You didn't hear lo Okay, so it should start off by saying, I can't pay, I can't do this, I can't do that. Can't. Okay, so now you have to be a slave for seven years. Here, go to the... No, this is not. This, when is this? After the seven years. You want to do another seven years. So why now? Why not pierce his ear when? In the beginning. What's going on over here, he asks. I don't understand. So he says, Od kasha... That's what he's probably saying. Got a little bit of a problem over here, he says. Let's be honest. When it says in the Yetzirah Sadibras, does anybody know what it's talking about? What kind of Geneva? Very good. Genevas Nefashos. Malal Genevas Mama. Kidnapping, Baruch Hashem. We had a great Pesir Toyba this morning, hearing that two hostages were freed. We know Nebuch what it is to be a hostage. It's talking about hostages. This guy didn't take a hostage. It's not what happened over here. He's really like being the doctor here. You know, he's like a real brisker. Ruff Schwab, I'm sure he wouldn't like me saying that. But, he's been, okay, you know, you want to, it's not, the yeah, because we're, we're in a chassidish tire. He's not taking this as chassidish tire. Okay, it's close enough. You know, sometimes, you know, Rabo has, has the gamachas, you know, minchas are 430 and he gives a, you know, one, he's like, uh, that's 435. Everybody's like, so if Rabos was a good chassidish rebbe, what would he say? That's one shot. My shot is just four thirty. You know, like okay, fine. So what happened over here? So answers so beautifully, Rav Schwab, so beautifully, and says as follows. He says, "Well, let's talk about that." Starts a difference. Lo tignov is a geneva of the nefesh from who? If you take someone hostage, yes, technically you're going to tell me you've stolen that body from the person. Because okay, they're held hostage. You've stolen that person from his family, from his friends, from his children, Nebuch. But really, he says, you've really taken it away from the person who's the true Baal, the true owner of that body, and that's the Rabbonish. You've taken, if you will, the Nefesh away to serve Hashem. <clears throat> Quote unquote, this is what he says You're cheating Hashem. You're cheating Hashem. And he says, Ah, that's what's going on. When someone is taken hostage, they're not able to avoid the Shem in the proper way. They're not able to serve Hashem. They're not able to be true of them to the Rabbanu Shalom. They're not able to be mamlus to the Rabbanu Shalom. They're not able to be Mekadosh Hashem. They're not able to walk the lady across the street who needs help, Nebuch. They're not able to get up for somebody on the bus. They're not able to be the best person that they could be. He says, that's what's happening over here. The slave didn't get it. We thought we rehabilitated him. We thought he would work for it and realize, why am, I, why am I a Ghanif? Why do I steal from people? I'm not reaching my potential. I clearly don't believe in myself. I clearly don't believe in the Rabbonish. I don't believe in that whole Gemara that says from Rosh Hashanah to Rosh Hashanah, Hashem decided already how much I'm going to make. I'm going to steal. I'm going to cheat. I'm going to lie. Okay, but now I can't pay back, so now I have to suffer. But hopefully after those years, I'm going to get it. I'm going to understand that I screwed up. Says Rav Schwab, you really didn't get it. You're making yourself like getting into a slave. Harezeh, the nephew a true slave, by the way. Slave, not to the Rabbana Shalom. Megiyah to Onesh, now you deserve it. That's why we had to wait seven years. We thought you would get it. The ear, you didn't hear. Don't you understand what, what happened here? What goes on? You're supposed to serve Hashem. Why don't you believe in yourself? That's the hate. The hate is you're stealing your soul. You don't believe in yourself. 
number one here. That's the first thing. The crying shame is that we don't believe that we could be a Tamil Chacham. We don't believe in ourselves. Because some of it is true. We've, we've, we, we've labeled ourselves, maybe our parents, but certainly our teachers. We've sat in class where a teacher has said, oh, no, 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 you're not. I, I, I'm sorry. I, I can't take a question from you. I know you're stupid. Enough. I know. I don't want to hear another answer that's wrong. And let's be honest. You have ADHD, APH, whatever you want to call it, LCD, whatever, PCP. Whatever. You have all of the labels. You have everything. You have a card that says, I can't learn tomorrow. Look. I have a handicap sticker. I can't. And we have all these labels. We didn't, we didn't have these labels when I, when I was your age. You know. We didn't have these labels, right? Right. We had one label. You're stupid. It's going I was always, when I was in school, I was always in the C class. There was an A and B and C. I think nowadays it's, they, they're politically correct. So they, they switch it and they call it like the X and Y. You don't know. So we, our joke always used to be, we're in the C class for stupid. So, so uh, whoever didn't laugh, by the way, it's bad. You'll get it later. Um, you need to want it. One of the great Nevi'im of our time, I don't know if you've heard of him, is, I'm sure you've heard of him, if you know anything, is Rabbi Steve Harvey. So Rabbi Harvey, no. So Steve Harvey has a great story. He's a lot of great stories. He's a great, really motivational receiver besides you know, his role on family food, food and screwing up the um, Miss America, whatever, Miss Universe pageant. Yeah, okay. Besides that, he tells the story of how he's here. He was labeled. He was not a smart kid. He had all the different issues in his life. And he tells this great story. I, Mamash, I, I'm sorry to say, but I live by the story. It's such a great story. He said that when he was a kid, he was in like fourth grade, fifth grade, the teacher had a project. He says, okay, everybody take out a piece of paper. I want you to draw how you see yourself, you know, in 20 years, in 30 years from now. Like, what are you going to be when you grow up? You know, that famous thing. So Steve Harvey's like, oh, this is something I could do. You know? So he starts drawing a picture, and each kid comes up, and most of them were recognizing what they will be based on what their father did, or they don't have a father, what somebody else's father did. Right, so the kid gets up. Number one, he says, oh, I'm going to be a garbage man. My father's a garbage man. My grandfather was a garbage man. Right? Right, the next guy gets up, and he says, right, Steve Harvey gets up, and the teacher sees I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't believe this. You're, the, you're a clown. What is this a picture of? He says, it's a picture of me as a, as a, as a TV star. He says, can I ask you a question? Do you know anybody that's a TV star? He's like, no. Because do you have any family? No. He says, what are you wasting my time for? You're not going to be a TV star, you loser. He says, and you wasted everybody's time here. He says, take this piece of paper. I want you to take it home and have your father sign that you didn't take this project seriously. So you can imagine the guy going on the bus, you know, sometimes you do something wrong, you're like, I don't really understand what I did wrong here. Like, what? And he goes, and he, he goes home, and he says, Father, uh, I got this strange thing to say to you. Uh, and his father looks at him, and his father says to him, do you really want to be a TV star? He goes, yeah, it's my dream. I want to be on TV one day. And the father says, okay, I'm going to sign the paper, but I ask you to do one thing. 
I asked to go back to uh, Mr. Karopoulos, you know, Mrs. Karopoulos, whatever her name is, go back to her and show her that I signed it and ask her if you could have the piece of paper back. She's like, okay. Because, and then I want you to put that piece of paper in your drawer. And every morning when you wake up, I want you to look at that piece of paper. I want you to know that if you believe in yourself, I believe in you. And you can do anything that you want. And with that, he says, of course, I want to thank you know, Mrs. Karopoulos for not believing in me. Because I looked at that paper every single day. And I say, one, t- one day I'll be on TV. And then, of course, in the Steve Harvey way, he goes, and now not only am I on TV, you know, I got millions and billions of dollars and all these nice suits and da, 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 whatever, whatever, whatever. And he's amazing. You know, and then he tells the, 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 the story. I don't know if this is true. I don't, I don't you know, I'm not disagreeing with him. I just didn't look into it. Tells the story of the firefly. I don't know. That's what the story he tells. Because if it, the kids, you know, when they were kids, they didn't, they didn't have a lot to do. They didn't have all your, you know, your Playstations and, and, uh, and Switches and that. They, they played outside. So a game they used to play is they used to get an old jar and they would catch fireflies. It would be a very fun thing. I'm sure some of you have done this before, you know, and then you make them suffer just so you can watch them light up. Like, it's good, you know, thank you, Sarah Balanchine. Just go ahead. So he says it's very interesting if you notice what happens to the firefly. So apparently the firefly has the longest stride when it is able to jump in the air more than any other insect. I don't know. Let's just pretend I'm saying the truth. And he says you'll notice, so what happens? You put them into the jar, and what will happen? They start jumping as high as they can, and what's going to happen to them? They hit the kepalach, right? <laughs> they hit their head on top of the jar because they're in a jar. They're not in the uh, beautiful air. So what happens? After time, they teach themselves not to, right? So they go only to the point and not more. If that firefly had a child, if that firefly was pregnant, and had a child, the firefly would teach them not to jump and hit his head anymore. No, this is the most amount you could do, right? We know this with the, the famous, you know, story with the elephant and the peg. They really can, but they make them think like they can't go further. That is what our lives are about. We set the ceiling for us. And we never will go further. And when you open up that firefly and let them out, it's going to take them a long time to actually fly the way that they should. Because they always think that that's, that's the point. That's the ceiling. You have to stop not believing in yourself. You have to say, I have a goal. I want to set a goal. This is who I am. That's how you become a Talmud Chacham. A Talmud Chacham is someone who beats the odds. And says, I don't care what people have said about me. I don't care what my teacher called me. Literally a few weeks ago on my last trip, I happened to find myself in Hafter High School, the high school that I went to. I had a meeting there. I had no choice. I dread going there. Not because I always thought the school was so large, and you know, when you go there as a larger person, you're like, hmm, this is a small school, you know? No. I didn't want to maybe have to see some of my old teachers. But when I met with this uh, person, so afterwards she said to me, oh my God, you've got to see Mrs. So-and-so, who's my teacher. I said, I'll see her, but just, when I had her 25 years ago, she was like 80. So she's, you know, like I thought, you know. So I said, you sure she's like alive? She says, yeah, she's alive. She's losing it a little bit, she said. I said, perfect, she won't know who I am. 
And Baruch Hashem, I was very zoicha. She, she actually pretended she knew who I was. She actually was pretty on target. She knew exactly where I sat. And, and I didn't want to remind her what happened when I was recruiting for Leva Torah some, you know, seven years ago. This really happened. She, um, I came in. She knew right away who I was. And she says, Daniel Hartstein, what are you doing here? And I said, oh, I'm recruiting for Leva Torah. She says, Wait a minute, you have a job? You know, like, it's like, like, really? She goes, wait, you're a rabbi? I'm like, yeah, technically rabbis.com, you know. Okay, you know, 1995, you know. She says, wow. And then she, like, started to, like, parade me around. Look, if he can get a job, you can get a job. You know, like, that's it. I didn't feel so good about myself recruiting, you know. But I loved it. It was a great moment of, uh, you know, that moment of saying, ha. Somebody years ago won the Academy Award and he got up there very inappropriately, and he said, I want to thank, same idea, Mrs. Karat, whatever. Same type of a story, and he used an inappropriate language, and he said to her, something to her, he said, you told me I would never amount to anything, look what I just, you know, look what I just want. You have to believe in yourself. Number two, and by far the hardest one for us to uh, learn, and that is the idea of working. We don't live in a generation that we want to work anymore. We're always looking for shortcuts. We're looking for other people to do things for us. Oh, Baruch Hashem, that we have, you know, AI. Duh. Everything is amazing. It's amazing how we don't have to do anything anymore. We can have papers written for us. We don't want to do any work. And what do we do with that extra time? I don't know. But we have to work hard. And I'll tell you something very interesting. Pirkeovas, probably for everyone here, the be all and end all of, of Musar Svarim, uh, of you know, ethics of our fathers, of learning. Professor Weiss, in his introduction, he just wrote a new safer on Avos, explains how, like, Maisa Avos about, like, this is it. This is the ultimate safer to learn. Because it teaches us so much, and it departs from actual real Mishnahites. So we know a little, a little trick, as I'm sure you know. I mean, I'll ask you just to embarrass everyone. What parak is the last parak of Pirkei Avos? Trick question. Really? What? Six. Six. <laughs> right? Six How many years in the Yacht? Hey, okay. So yeah, it is Shiji. But what's amazing is really chapter five is Pirkei Avos. We added it, I'm assuming the reason is because of you know, Shavuos. We needed that extra week. So we have beautiful extra edition. But really, how did Pirkei Avos end? One could argue, Rav Eitan Feiner has this beautiful vort. The Gemara in, in Brachas tells us this, this idea. Everything goes after, right? We always say, you know, um, you know, acharon, acharon, chaviv. You know, make the guy feel good who's, who got the booby prize. You know? Oh, and finally, uh, no, but we really believe that. Chaviv is the last one. So you would think that the last Mishnah in all of Pirkei Avos is going to define all the definitions. It's the one to live by. And it starts off with, very important, Ben Bagbag Omer, Hafachba, everything's in the Torah, you have to go back over and over, you have to work hard, and if it doesn't work the first time, do it again, 100 times, 101 times. Moshe Rabbeinu, we learn, learn the Torah over and over again. We couldn't understand the Torah. The Mishkan in our parshios, we learn that he had a very difficult time. But it was Moshe Rabbeinu. He's a great example of someone who had to learn over and over again. 
But the last few words, famously, is Ben Hehe. Who is Ben Hehe, of course? He was a gear. The word hey and hey was because he was, usually they didn't want to say who his parents were because they would probably be persecuted. He was a gear. Hey maybe reminds us of Ben Avram and Sarah, who had the additional hey added. The pum, Sarah, Agra. The reward is proportion to the exertion. Another way of saying it, no pain, no gain. That's how Pirkei Ovas ends. You want to define a real Talmud Chacham? Every Talmud Chacham, it's someone who worked very, very hard. Says the Medrash Shmuel so beautifully, one of the beautiful commentaries on Pirkei Ovas, one of the chief students of the Arizal, he says like this, Pumsara Agra, who hapri kivifi ma sheyit amel ha'adam b'Torah yimshach mimenu pri. Right? We just had the holiday of Tu It's a very strange holiday as we pointed out before. Why? It's, it's strange because nothing's going on in Tu It's a weird holiday. And we all, you know, if you guys remember when you were growing up, I'm sure, what did you get for Tu You know, the PTA would give you a, this horrible platter of fruit and like you're fighting over raisins because there's nothing else. <laughs> like all of a sudden you love raisins. The buck, you know, this bucks are like, you're throwing it on the floor, throwing it at your friend. Like you don't even know what to do with these. You never even saw these things, right? Figs and dates and you make the joke, oh, hey, you want a date? <laughs> right, that's it. I went to, you know, mixed school so I was able to, get, you know, present it to a girl. I said, do you want a date? She still said no to me. Okay, fine. Anyway, but what, what's so special is is that that's we are the tree. We're in the middle of the winter. Right? This year Mamish came out. It was raining, it was cold, it was just when it, it, things What am I celebrating? I'm celebrating the potential. I'm celebrating what's going to be, the payroll that are gonna come out of it. I gotta work hard on this tree. If I want these trees to be, I gotta water it, I gotta take the thorns out, I gotta chase the cats away and the birds away so that doesn't eat the fruits. Yeah. That's what it's all about. It's the peyrus that come out of it. Says the Midrash Shmuel, yes, because the reward is even greater for the person that works harder. But because there's no such thing below Higia, below Torah, not to work hard on it. That's the idea. And he quotes the Rambam. The Pumsara Agra says, the Gemara tells us, Shemesis Atzma Allah. You have to literally kill yourself over it. If you want something to be, and this is by everything, we know this. Listen, I'll, I'll be honest, I don't want to be a Balgaiva. But I don't look like this Stam. I have to work very hard on this body, right? <laughs> to work hard. You know, how many, you know how many Coke Zeros I have to drink every day? It's not easy. No, but really, someone who's got, you know, the, the, the guy that works out, that's got the big muscles, right? I see this Baruch Hashem. They didn't follow my ways. They followed the ways of my wife. Baruch Hashem, Tarisi Mecha. So my two older boys, forget about. I'm, I'm meaning, I'm at the point where I don't scream at them anymore because they literally could kill me <laughs> by just like looking at me. They're big muscles, and they work very hard. The protein shakes all the time, and no, 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 right? Baruch Hashem, my son that's in the army, like it's scary when you look at him. But just to pause for a moment on that point because I always think this is funny. Think about these soldiers. 
Mamash were in, were in the Mokom HaKadosh of Lev L'chayam. Right? Some of you, maybe. Right? Maybe think about the army. You're a bunch of losers. Like, can I not remind you you're Jewish? Like, what are you doing? You're not going to win a You're going to win a war? Back to what we said before. Are you, are you kidding me? Some of these guys that came out of Lev L'chayam, they come back, right? And they got the, the, the uniforms and they got the beret. And I'm like, wait, you're in that? Div- what? You're Golani, you're Gavati, you're special unit, you're Dudavani. You're How? What's the answer going to be a million times? Out of it's not going to be, oh, you know my father? So my father's the president of this organization and he was able to speak to a, an aluf and he went, yeah, okay. You know? You're not going to be in a special unit in 300 pounds. I'm saying, like, it's not happening. You've got to work hard. And many people that serve in the army say, I don't know even have this in me. People especially go through Sayera and go, it's an amazing thing. Little Jewish boys. How are they able to do it? Why? There's one word. And if you ask the soldiers over, how did you do this? How did you Yeshlanu Misima, Misima, Misima. We had goals. We worked hard because of that. And not only that, because I think this is even um, just as important of a part is what the Medjah Shmuel also says. And I think it's equally as important. And that is, I'm sorry to say, the following thing. You're going to get even more reward. The more difficult it is, as I said before, the Gemara says in Brachos, Ein divrei Torah mekayim el misha meisiz asmo. But then continues the Midrash Shmuel and says, the Misha, he goes, the Midrash Shmuel says, He says, it's not easy. And sometimes you're going to fail. And sometimes it's going to be boring for you. And sometimes you say, I want to do Dafiyoyimi. And then Sota comes up. Erechen comes up. Something you're like, oh, why did I agree to do Dafiyoyimi? And what do you do? You decide, no, the Pumsara Adra, I know it's going to be hard. I'm still going to do it. Right? I always tell the story. I apologize, but if you've heard the story, I tell it. I'll tell it again. When we moved to Israel, I don't know why, but my wife was looking for a hobby. So she decided that she wanted to start running. In stomach, she wanted to run away from me. So she started running. And in the beginning, I'll be honest, I, I, I treated it as a bit of a joke. I said to her, you never ran in your life. She used to walk a lot. Walk, walk, walk. But run. Okay. And then she reached that goal, the 5K goal. And then she said to me, oh, Tel Aviv Marathon, we're going to run the 10K. And I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. And then as things moved on, and she said, I want to train for a half marathon. I'm like, seriously? You're not, you know? And she did it. And then she said, I want to train for a marathon. And she did it. She's done, I don't know, five marathons already. Right? And by the way, I was there on the side, cheering her on, having to eat <laughs> breakfast at a hotel in Tiberia. Not, not so easy. It was raining. Not so easy. How was she able to do that? Well, the, it's obvious, right? She kept running. Now, one could, one could and should say, but I'm never going to be speedy beady. Right? I'm never going to be Beatty Deutsch, who lives in our community, who's a, a real accomplished marathon runner, who's run marathons, won marathons before. So you don't look at that 
right? I remember when the first time I met her, she was at an NCSY event, and I was catering, and they actually came to me, and they said, she's, uh, I think she's gluten-free or something. I said, oh, so I went up to her, I said, oh, I'm Daniel Hartstein, and I said, you might know my wife. I said, and then I said the words, you know, you don't say to, she's also a runner. She's also running like you're running. You know, like, imagine going up to, you know, last night you go to the Super Bowl, you know, you go up and you say to them, oh, my God, I also play football in Leibatola. We played last night. We had Super Bowl. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, but that's, that's it. You're part of a team. You're still part of a team. It may not be the G'daylum team, but that's what being a Tamachacham is. Working really hard. Being Omo. It's totally it. The schar says, says, says the Midrash, well, is the Omel. You're a Kabbalah schar, the more you work harder, when you fail, we'll pick you up. You have to understand that that's the whole idea here. Of no pain, no gain. You have to set goals, the greatest of the sports stars, I'm sure you've heard the story a million times, right? The Kobe Bryants and all those different, they worked hard even when they were the top of what they did. They kept working. And you hear the stories about Gedolim, and I have to say, my usual negative, my kids know, I hate art school books. Oh, I hate them. I hate the art school biographies. Why? I mean, Feldheim also, I'm not against art school. Because most of them put the, the guzzle in the light like you're like, you start reading and you're like, wait, wait, seriously? He was six years old, when he finished Shaz, you know. And he always, they always met the guddle of the time, you know. He, he, he was at my, just, I'll tell you a great, perfect story. I just heard this yesterday. Rav Shachter tells a story about the Rav. He says that when he met Rav Unterman, Rav Unterman was the chief rabbi of Israel. He was a big Talmud Chacham. And he met Rav Unterman. So he was, came to America. And they asked the Rav if he wanted, Rav Salvation, if he wanted to meet Rav Unterman. He said, sure, sure. So he met Rav Unterman. And he says, I have to tell you a story. This is not the first time we met. We met when I was six years old. Rav Unterman says, what? He says, when I was six years old, you came to Rav Chaim, my grandfather, Rav Chaim Salvechik, to tell him over a Chiddush Torah. He says, really? He goes, I, I went to Rav Chaim. He goes, you know how many years ago that was? I don't remember the Shtickel Torah, but that's right. He goes, no, 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 I remember the Shtickel Torah. Let me tell you it over. When he was six years old, he told him the Shtickel Torah. I don't like those stories, right? Because I'm like, um, right? I don't remember what I ate for breakfast yet. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, this, morning, this morning, I was doing lessons from the lathe. So uh, Monday's on my easy day. I just kind of review what I did in the big lessons from the lay that we did yesterday. And as I'm taking a shower, I said, what, what did I speak about yesterday? I don't remember, you know? <laughs> so yeah, you have to work hard. I don't like the stories. Of the, I like the stories, I'm sorry, but I like the making of a Gundel book. I don't know if you know about this, Safer. Written by Rabbi Kamenetsky. It's a great one. It says how hard the rabbis worked. That's great. I remember when we were in Entis Raikola, we met with Rav Nussan Sufinkel, and one of the questions the NCSY losers asked, one loser got up and said, this, this is a loser question, he said, how is it possible that, that despite going to Ida Crown, you became a Gadol Hador? And I couldn't believe it. He looked at him, you know, he, he, he had Parkinson's, he was shaking, and he said, what did you say? He goes, despite? He goes, no, it's because I went to Ida Crown I became who I am. That's what developed me to who I am today. I had to work harder. I, had to work. I love that. A person has to know that. That's what a, a gadol is. You don't have to finish shots when you're 12, or even when you're 20 or 30 or 40. You could be 92 years old and finish shots. Yes, work hard, play hard. And finally, 
The hardest one. Let's review. <laughs> what did we say? You have to want it. You have to work hard. And you have to worship. What does worship mean? Got to dive in. I'm sorry. You have to dive in for it. Some of the great Kedovim, like Rukhayim, would often tell people, when they asked for, can I have a bracha that, that my children should be Talmud Dechachamim? And he would say, did you daven for it? If you don't daven for it, I'm not giving you a bracha. Do you daven for it every day? The answer is, yes, you do, but do you know you're davening for it every day? One of Usher Weiss's most beautiful and famous Dibre Torah, everybody should have a pocket of our Torah that they're able to say when they're embarrassed. And someone at the table says, Oh, you went to Israel for the year. No, give us a Dvar Torah. And you're like, abada, 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 abada. And you're like, you quickly take out your phone and you're like, Hey Siri, what's this partial? You know, like, okay, fine. <laughs> Whatever. So, always have a Dvar Torah. My, one of my pocket Dvar Torahs I love to tell is that every single morning we wake up and we say, Birchus So, this is the story, Ravasha Wai's story. I love the story. Abarsha Weiss went to visit his Rebbe, the Klusenberger Rebbe, back when he was in, in New Jersey. And he was a little boy. Another great Gottel story. And he said, Nu, what do you think? This is Machlekes, which of the Birchus HaTorah, I mean, HaTorah, most people say, it's Ashabar Chabon, Mikol O'Amim. There is a sheet that says, no. La'asot B'div Re'esoyrah, what's after that? The Harevna. What does the Harevna mean? We literally ask Hashem that the Torah should be sweet. It should be easy for me. It should be, you can work hard on it, but it should be something I love, I want to work on. I know this sounds weird, but you know this. I don't. But if you, there are people like my wife who cannot, a day can go by that she doesn't exercise, including Shabbos. Most of Shabbos, she has to go out walking. She can't, she, oh, I have a terrible day today. Why? What happened? I said, oh, because of you know, the car accident that you got into? Because the, the, the roof's leaking? Because, because, no, I didn't exercise today. I'm like, oh, okay. I thought the other things were pretty important. Okay. <laughs> So the Kuzenberg Rebbe says, what does this bracha mean? What does Vaharevna mean? And he says, I have a further question on the Kuzenberg Rebbe. It's a strange bracha. We have a general concept in brachas. One bakasha per bracha. So first we ask, when we're busy with Torah, Vaharevna, it should be sweet. And then what do we ask? Oh, also, I just want to, not just for me, for my kids, my grandchildren. No, no, no. Whoa, slow down, man. So Rav Shuai says, I don't know, Rebbe, what do you think? You, you, don't, you don't give the answer to the Hasidic Rebbe. He goes, no, 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 I asked you, what do you think? So Rav Shuai said, this is the answer he gave. And the Rebbe liked it, so he says, and now I tell it over all the time. You want the Torah to be sweet for your children, your children's children? Guess what it has to be? Sweet to you. It has to be sweet to you. Don't sell yourself short. Push yourself. And then all of a sudden, you're going to have this awesome experience. I can't believe I could do this. This is Dafiyomi, Yishkoyach. This is Nachiyomi, Yishkoyach. I could do this. Perik a day, yes, I could do it. A daf a day, I could do it. Ombudyomi, I just said, yes, I could accomplish. People didn't believe in me. I believe in myself. But you have to daven for it. Hey, I also went Shana Aleph. Many years ago, I went Shana Aleph. And I'm sorry to tell you my Shana Alfin very briefly didn't go well. Meaning, I learned a lot of Torah. I did, I did, I did. I didn't have a Rebbe that had the... the I, I'm, so, I'm sorry, I didn't have the love of Torah. I was, literally, that was always... I knew I wanted it badly. I just didn't have that. I was very, very fortunate. I come from a home, specifically my father. 
was Talmud Chacham sits and learns. You know, he was a public school teacher. Came home four o'clock. Torah. That's it. I was the most popular kid when we had a test in Gemara. Right? So before you know the internet, before Art Scroll, my father was Art Scroll. You know, he was the original Art. You know, Rabbi Art. You know, my friends would call me. What'd your father say? What, what's that? We didn't. We weren't listening in Gemara. Sure. He would explain Pshat and Rashi and Toysus. But I didn't have that mystique of Torah, that sweetness, the Baharevna. Yes, you have to daven for it. Says Rav Asher Weiss, there's a Pasuk, Kufi Tess, in Tehillim. Lule Sarascha Shashua. Had you treated the Torah like a Shashua, we'll explain that in a second, Azavati Oni, right? Bad things wouldn't have happened, basically. What's a Shashua? What? A toy. In, in modern Hebrew, for sure. A rattle. So Rosh Hashanah says, what, what? If you, you would have treated my Torah like a, a, a plaything, like a toy, like I go into the base mattress and see all these toys on people's makomos, we're the only yeshiva that has so much you know, Lego and more than the Gan next door. We have more Lego in, uh, in the basement. Okay, fine. Oh, I'll tell you why. Oh, I'll tell you why you have it. Because Lulei Sarotzka Because the Torah has to be a plaything, a fun thing. Yeah. What's the biggest joke in the world? You know, everybody tells that, that funny story about the little baby, right? You, you decide, you know, we had, we had our first, uh, he's old now, but we, baby shy, you know, and, and, and my, my first uh, great nephew. So you buy him like a great gift. I bought from America, this whole thing. And what does he spend his time doing? Playing with the box, right? Right? Okay, that's a shashua. And he's enamored by it. Right? We know, actually, now he's got, got into the actual Fisher-Price toy that, you know, totally plays with his mind because like a million things going on at once. <laughs> but he, he could st- hours, uh, only a baby, hours and hours can play the same darn... He's like, this is awesome. That's what Torah is supposed to be. A shashua. You can't stop. You know, they tell the story of Rav Salvechik. It's amazing that I don't know if any Rebbe in the yeshiva would ever do this. Guy raised his hand and asked Akasha. Usually, when you ask Akasha of Salvation Shear, he was like, uh, "Okay, you know, I, I, what I would say." He didn't answer this. You're, you're an idiot. Or I was once in trying out Rosh Shear, and the guy thought he had to bomb Kasha. He goes, "Rebbe, Rebbe, Rebbe, what about this?" He goes, "And the next two words of the Gemara say my time on." You know, like you didn't even read the Gemara. Yet. This guy asked a bomb Kasha. And Salvation thinks about it, he thinks, he thinks, five minutes, ten minutes, he says, I don't have an answer, Shear's over. And he walked out of Shear. How embarrassing, Salvation walked out of you. This is really true. I think about it. Brander tells a story. Brander was his, lived with him in the apartment, take care of him. What? It was like, I don't know, 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock in the morning, he figured out the answer. He got up. He says, no, let's go. Brenda's like, I'm wearing pajamas. Um, he's like, no, 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 get the shear. I'm assuming nobody can sleep, obviously. I figured out the answer. Let's go. We're going to shear. And he's like, oh, my God, this is so hard. This is before, like, you know, WhatsApps and, you know, send it out to the community, to the group. That's hard. But he couldn't. He couldn't. Because it was, it was beautiful to him. So just to end my story. So what happened? Ah, Baruch Hashem. I, um... I interviewed anybody that knows me well, know that I'm an amazing scam artist. So when I interviewed, I re-interviewed for YU. 
because when I first interviewed him, shockingly got into YU, which was a chiddush nifla, because of my high school career in, in the C class for stupid. So I didn't interview well, and they basically told me you cannot go into a regular shear. Uh, you, you can't go into YP. You have to go into with, with those days. I, I think they still have IBC. So now, Baruch Hashem, I accomplished. I knew I could probably get into a YP shear. So, as luck would have it, you're gonna laugh at this, but as luck would have it, I got kicked out of my Shana Aleph shear. So Rabina put me in the Shana Bet shear. Um, so I was in Shana Bet shear. So like, I'm gonna now interview with the boy chain. I'm totally gonna, gonna be like, because he's gonna say, "Oh, who shear are you?" And he's like, "I don't know who is that. I don't know that who is that rabbi." I goes, "Oh, I'm a Shana Aleph guy in a Shana Bet shear." So he says, "No, what's your piece?" I remember the Gemara. I memorized the Gemara, and because I'm a scaremarist. He said, and he asked, I knew the kasha he would ask. He asked the kasha, and I answered, I go, that's a very interesting question. I'll tell you something very, very interesting. Rabbi Willigan, his safer, Am Mordechai, addresses that based on what his Rebbe told him, Rav Shachter, in the name of the Rav. And before I even answered, he said, okay, what share do you want to be in? Like, he didn't want to hear the answer. He's like, how did you know that? He said, you can be in any share you want. So I, I, I was like, I said, I don't know. I, what, do you, and I, what do you recommend? I, I, lo- I was in a shear, it was all in Hebrew. I said, I love the Hebrew shear, I'm not sure, I don't know. So uh, I was uh, talking about Ray Willig. And, uh, anyway, I literally, like the first week of YU, I get that paper, and I'm like, what? It says, Rabben Hayim. It was a new Rebbe, Hachacham, Rabben Hayim, Sephardi, Rosh Hashiva, un- unbelievable person. Sephardim don't learn Torah like Ashkenazim. I was lost. That was a, not a good shear for me. Right? We were a bunch of Ashkenazim, I thought, in the shear. And every day after shear, the only part I understood, Minha, Minha, Mirotzele Agish. And so we, the Ashkenazim, were like, obviously we can't go up there and go, Yishem, Hashem. Anyway, through the weeks, I only stayed in there for three weeks, I realized I was the only Ashkenazim in shear because the guy next to me, who was totally white, they're like, he said, you have to die. And I'm like, oh man, you're going to be upset. Because we're going to go, and he got up, and all of a sudden, it turned out the guy was farty. It was a mixed marriage. You shame I shame you, Vodak. I'm like, okay, I'm the only smart. I'm out of here. So when I was sitting in the base medrash learning, I saw this really smiley rabbi that was there all the time. Smiley, smiley, mixed smile. And I would talk to him often. And he said, who's sure you? And I told him, I said, Rebbe, can I? Uh, his name is Rav Meir Goldach. And I told him I, I, I was having trouble. He says, well, why don't you try my shear? So I had a friend that was in the shear, and I said to him, what do you think? And he says to me, pillow play him. Pillow plan this year. Because if nothing else, you will realize that this rabbi is bonkers. He's crazy. What do I mean? He's on drugs. It's a different drug. It's called Torah. He goes, if nothing else, if he got up to the shear and started speaking in Yiddish or Hebrew and you didn't understand Hebrew, just to be in the shear and watch someone, he would break stenders all the time and throw chalk and you know back in the day where you're allowed to like throw chalk at people huh? it was amazing and the guy would walk in with this big snapple bottle and he would say America snap it and he goes, he goes the shears for an hour you can't have you have to drink the whole snapple bottle do sit and learn Tyra it was an amazing experience Baruch Hashem I got very close to him and I saw I'm a seeker of Tyra so yes you have to daven for it you have to want it you have to work on it. You have to daven and put yourselves in those situations. The guy that asked the question, I thought it was on Friday night, and said the ultimate question of all questions, you know, what, I'm going to why you, I'm going to, what, what do you recommend? Get close to Rabbanim. Look how many amazing Rabbanim you have. Get close to them. With that and Mir Hashem, with these three W's, that's what you could accomplish. That's what will set you on a path for Mir Hashem becoming a Tamachach.